This is for all my people who's distracted, who's stressing. Whenever times get hard, your mind is slipping. And you're thinking, is there really a God? Knowing you shouldn't think that way. So you try to freeze your brain. But whenever there's pain, that feeling forever remains. It's hard to believe what you can't see. And reality seems stronger than prayer. Because you tried to change your life. But now you live in a wheelchair. Or your son was born with cancer. Now he lives in urgent care at the tender age of 12. And it seems like no one cares. Searching for answers. That's human nature. You ain't in the wrong. Just know whenever you feel that way, his spirit's in the room. I watch people I know pray and catch the Holy Ghost and wonder why I ain't never caught that feeling before. Maybe they know him better, or I don't know no better. But what I do know is that he's real and he lives forever. So whenever you feel like your world's about to end, I hope you study because he's just testing your faith again. Man, I'd rather not live like there isn't a God than to die and find out there really is. Think about it. Thanks, Jaquiel. The words of, as Jaquiel said, Kendrick Lamar, and um, those lyrics kind of relate uh, to what I want to talk to everybody about just for a couple minutes today. And uh, the scripture itself, I think, can just speak, as always, so let's jump right in. Acts 17, next week we start our Advent series. So this is where we're going to be stopping in Acts, at least for a while. We might get back to it in the new year, but let's read Acts chapter 17 in one of the most powerful portions of Scripture. I want you to think about um, your own life and your own desire to share your faith with your friends and the people around you as we take this beautiful example from the Apostle Paul. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, meaning he was waiting for Timothy and for Silas, they were going to meet up with him. Paul's in Athens. He was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. So he's in this mix of philosophers. And, and then Luke here describes what's happening. He, be, he would begin to dispute with them. Some of them ask, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remark, he seemed to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting at the Areopagus where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you, are pre- that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who live there would spend their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Kind of sounds like our world Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus, and he said, Men and women of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. Now what you worship is something unknown I am going to proclaim to you. 
the God who has made the world and everything in it, the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, because God gives all men and women life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of people that they should inhabit the whole earth. And God determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men and women would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from each one of us. Now listen up. If you have your Bible out, you might want to underline this. For in him we live and move and have our being As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Two quotes Paul uses there. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now God commands all people everywhere to repent. For God has set a day when... He will judge the world with justice by the man that he has appointed. Referring to Jesus is who he's referring to here. And he says, he has given proof of this to all people by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few people became followers of Paul and believed. Now over in 1 Corinthians 9.19, a letter of Paul's through 22, this is what Paul says, and I believe it connects back to how Paul is living in the book of Acts here. Acts is, of course, we've already said, is written by Luke, Dr. Luke, about what Paul's living into at this moment, but these are Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 9. 19 through 22, and I think it reflects on what he's doing in Acts 17 clearly and in other places. Paul says, though I am free, I belong to no one. I have made myself a slave to everyone. Why would he say this? He goes on and he says, I do this to win as many as possible. And then he describes how he does it. To the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To others under the law, I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I become like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I become weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that, here it is, by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. By all, he says, possible means, by all means, Paul says, I will stop at nothing because there's nothing more important than leading people to Christ. I will stop at nothing. 
I will go to all possible means. I want to just say to you quickly, I want to talk to you about by all possible means and what I think Paul is referencing in part here, and there's much more to this. I think he says here clearly, by all means, make a difference, not a point. And he expresses this when he makes this statement, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Paul finds himself in the midst of philosophers and those that would sit for days and months at a time just discussing new ideas. And he uses their philosophers and their poets' words to reach into their heart to preach the gospel. It's powerful. Paul is more concerned with mission than with method. And I fear, I fear that the church, in particular in the United States, there's a big portion of us that are much more concerned about method than we are with mission. And if we can't do it by our method, then just let people go off to an eternity separate from God. Paul says, I will win as many as possible. In other words, what he is saying is, I will do whatever, whenever, to reach some for Christ. These quotes, these two quotes, are powerful quotes, and he says it's from your own poets. The two poets' names are Erastus and Cleanthes. Cleanthes, they're both writing hymns or poems to Zeus, probably one of the gods that is, it, Paul is referring to that he's troubled by that they have an altar to. Here's the words written by Erastus, the portion that Paul's referring to, written almost 300 years before Jesus is born. This is what Erastus says in Phanom. His name unloved, with him with Zeus are filled, all paths we tread and all marts of men, filled to the sea and every creek and bay, and all in all things need we help of Zeus, for we are his offspring. Paul refers to another quote that he has here written by Cleanthes. And this is what it says, again, to Zeus. Most glorious of immortals, many named almighty forever, thee, O Zeus, sovereign over nature, guiding with thy hand all things that are we greet with praises. Thee, tis we meet that mortals call with one accord, for we thine offspring are, and we alone of all that lived and moved upon this earth. Receive the gift of imitative speech. Paul was born, he was Paul, started out as Saul, as Tarsus, Aratus, was a poet, many believe from Tarsus. Paul knew their words, Paul used their words, even in worship to Zeus. This is powerful. He used their words of worship to Zeus to turn it around and lead them to Jesus. It's profound. It's profound. One young pastor wrote this to Paul. Why would anything like this be seen or used, even if altered to accommodate Christian beliefs? Given the background and associations and use of it for centuries in an unbiblical fashion. 
unbiblical, non-Christian peoples and groups. This, to me, will bring about confusion and even open doors for folks to venture down some pretty unbiblical avenues, opening up spiritual and demonic oppression. Really? couple things. First of all, that wasn't written to Paul by a young pastor. That was written by a young pastor to Claire and I about some of the things that we refer to and some of the things that we pull into our conversation, like Kendrick Lamar. Paul says, I'll use anything that will work if we're naive enough to think that it's only Christian ease language that will reach people for Christ or Christian ease behavior, we are of all people to be ridiculed. I will do whatever it takes by all means, whenever, wherever. See, what happens is we think we need to protect God. Paul has no problem putting God out there. It's like God can handle God's business. I'm just going to talk about God and then let everything fall into place. God seemed to do it in our lives. God can do it in any life. Barbara Brown Taylor said this, As a general rule, I would, rather, I would say human beings never behave more badly toward one another than when they believe they are protecting God. Paul says, by all means... I will make a difference, not a point. I would say to all of us, just let it go. Stop trying to make a point. Just make a difference. Just preach the good news of Jesus. Paul would say to us, by all means, by all possible means, make Jesus known. He's here. There's an altar to an unknown God. He's very mindful of the situation. And he goes into that situation and begins to preach the good news in a very unique and powerful way. Reminds me of a story of this kid in kindergarten comes into Sunday school and the teacher says, okay, what has a bushy tail, what stores up nuts for the winter and lives in a tree? And this little kid raises his hand and he says, well, it sounds like a squirrel, but since I'm in church, it must be Jesus. And we just always feel like there's only one way. It's got to be communicated. You'll notice here that Jesus does not come up in Paul's words. Now, I'm sure Jesus comes up, but the only reference to Jesus in the words are Luke's words. Paul preaches the gospel without talking about the squirrel. That's so evident. He talks about the resurrection. He talks about the life, the way they've been created. And he creates an interest, and then they go the next step. Those that are interested take the next step. It's powerful, powerful stuff. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. Go back a couple of chapters into Acts 13, and you find Paul or in other places, Paul using Jesus' name like mad when he's proclaiming the gospel. But in this situation, he piques their curiosity by leaving it at someone has raised from the dead. Which brings us to the last thing I think Paul is saying here is, by all means, go all in. Because someone died for all of us and then rose from the dead. It's okay to be fully committed to your faith and to leading people to Christ, and sometimes it's messy, and sometimes you will make mistakes, and sometimes it won't be perfect, but God can take care of God's self. 
To go all in means to be fully committed to a task or an endeavor, to give or to be prepared to give all of one's energy or resources towards something. I don't know about you guys, but when I came to Jesus, it wasn't because my friends just quoted scriptures and told me the rules of Christianity. I came to Jesus through playing sports with my friends, through knowing that my friends loved me, knowing that my family that was coming to Christ, that they loved me, they were reaching out to me, they were praying for me, they were concerned about the practical issues in my life. It was God's love being portrayed to me through the love of the people around me that loved Christ. And I would say this, I would say, if we want to proclaim the gospel, this is where we're at as a world. This is where we're at as a culture. People aren't looking for all the rules and regulations. They're looking for the love of God directly from God or the love of God being poured out through the people of God. I would venture to say, and I I can be pretty confident in this, I think, that the majority of people coming to Jesus in our day are coming to Jesus because they are feeling or experiencing or sensing the love of God, and primarily it comes through God's people. Claire prayed a few minutes ago for all these different things. It was, it's, it's, it's an expression of pouring the love of God out. Jaquiel proclaimed those lyrics. It's loving people God's way. Shane got up here, brought tears to eyes, proclaimed words about the love of God. Our worship team led us in worship, song after song, and it's the experiencing of the love of God. All the people know is there's things that they have need of. So wherever you are, if you're in the sports arena, if you're in the coaching arena, you're in the education arena, if you're a psychologist or psychiatrist, if you're doing, you're doing business, whatever it is, you're in entertainment, you're writing, whatever it is, know this. Like Paul, you have a niche, you have a way that God has created you to to bring people in in your arena. I remember a guy years ago, Fred Price said this, he said, how can someone in first class come to Jesus if Christians never fly in first class? And we kind of laughed about it, thought it was kind of funny for various reasons. But there's a reality to that. If nobody's going to the Areopagus, if nobody's going into the mix, into the fray, How can we say we're doing and living the Great Commission? So all we're responsible to do is what we're created to do. So you do it with everything you have by all means. So Father, even now, as we receive this powerful example by the Apostle Paul, let our hearts be stirred. Let them be stirred, God. Let the reaching into the hearts of our friends and our neighbors and those that we love and our coworkers and the people that are around us, people that we're on Zoom calls with and the people we're in meetings 
with and the, the people we're praying for. God, we pray for your anointing on our lives that by all means we would see people coming to you. And we ask this in the powerful, beautiful, wonderful name of Jesus. And we give you thanks for the fullness of the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit moving in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. There is love
over sickness, over disease, over division, you are Lord over all. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher. And all week long, lift up the name of Jesus, people. Be lifted higher as you go into your week. Lift the name of Jesus higher. So let your name be lifted higher. Be lifted higher. Be lifted higher. And may you be stronger. And may sin be broken in your life. And may you leave this place full of the power and the presence of God. May you leave your homes and go to your workplace this week stronger, stronger with sin broken in your life, with the power of God in you. And may God remind you that even your own poets can be a part of what you bring this week. Bring that word, bring that skill, bring that gift, bring who God's made you to be. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. Oh, oh, oh.